Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Let's help you manage your emotional issues so you can make the decisions you want to make, live the life that you want, have, grasp, take hold of a life, a life that you want for no other reason than you want it. So let's talk about your emotional issues, how to manage those, and sometimes that means we look out at our culture, not for the sake of some sort of cultural analysis, but to look at how culture is a reflection of what is going on in our own psyche, because that's what it is. And something that's going on in culture right now is the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth II, died. And there's been a reaction on Irish Twitter, which I think is interesting to analyze, not for the sake of analyzing Irish people and any issues that they generally may have. I think this is a great indication of, again, what's going on with all of us. Actually, I think a couple weeks ago I tweeted out, this is before the Queen died, I tweeted out something about that Freud quotation, supposed Freud quotation. I don't think Freud actually said this, but he said something to the effect of the Irish are impervious to psychoanalysis. Again, I'm not a, as I'm, I'm not that well read on Freud. I mean, I'm more well read on, on somebody like Jung, and I guess it's similar, speaking of Jung, is people think that he said, whatever you resist, persist. Which, I don't think Jung ever said that. He would have said something like that, and I think that's true. Whatever you resist, you know, psychological resistance will persist in your life. That's definitely true, and Jung would have said something like that, but I don't think he said that. So let's just, look, it's not about whether Freud said that the Irish are impervious to psychoanalysis. It's more about, if he did say this, what truth is there in that statement and you know what truth can we all glean from it so i made some tweet about that quotation and then i think a week later the queen happened to die and then there's that response from irish twitter gloating you know some of their resentment towards the english and how they've been at war for essentially like 800 years all those issues came up um, and i think it's interesting to analyze um, from that perspective. What is going on in the Irish that may make them impervious to psychoanalysis or to therapy, I would say? And how does that go on in all of us, right? Because it's a cultural issue now. It's something that we see out there. Guess what? We see it out there precisely because it's a reflection of what's going on in our psyche. Um, and ultimately, you know, I don't like talking about uh, racial or ethnic issues, not because like, oh, it's on PC and some stuff I'm going to say, uh, you're a trigger warning, right? Some of this stuff may be a tad unpolitic or politically incorrect. It's not because I want to avoid that. It just doesn't matter. It ultimately doesn't matter. You know, we can analyze racial differences and, and racial issues and, and what group has experienced more racism than, than another and how that affects them now. You know, ultimately, that doesn't matter. What ultimately matters in your life, what is fundamental, is how you manage your emotional issues from a psychological perspective. All this stuff is simply a distraction. Uh, but, but if we can look at what's going on and, you know, again, take whatever, you know, t t take this uh, or uh, of what's going on in culture and, and refine it into some nugget of gold for us to, to really incorporate into our lives. And I think, yeah, that might be fun to do. And if we can 
say some offensive stuff in the process, well, it's all the more fun, right? So what do I mean by, or what does Freud mean by psychoanalysis? I don't care what Freud means by psychoanalysis. I know what he means, but I'm gonna talk more about what I mean by therapy. And I wouldn't say that the Irish are impervious to psychoanalysis. I would say uh, they, are, they are at the very least impervious to therapy. So what does therapy mean? Therapy means, you know, exactly what I say pretty much every week at the beginning of this show. What emotional issues do you have and how are those reflected in your life? We don't have personal problems. We have emotional issues that present as personal problems. We don't have business problems. We don't have money problems. We don't have... uh, a drug problem, right? That doesn't really exist. That's a symptom. These are all symptoms of how we manage or really more mismanage our emotional issues. And when you come to a problem in your life, let's say you have a business problem. Now, what you may do is just look up a better business model. Maybe you need to look up a better way to manage people. Maybe you need to look up a better way to market to people or to refine your niche and how do I communicate to them in a more effective way? And that may be all you need. But let's say you do all that and the problem persists. In fact, maybe the problem doesn't persist. Maybe it gets even worse. And now you feel like you're really losing ground and life becomes more confusing and way more difficult than it needs to be because I don't get it. I'm reading all these business books. I know everything there is to know about marketing and managing people, all these facts. And maybe you integrate the facts really well and you can apply them well, yet the business doesn't, doesn't go well. Eventually, you may get to the point where you realize, wait, maybe there's something else going on. Maybe I have some issue that regardless of how many facts I know about business and managing people and marketing and niches and all that stuff, there's going to be my emotional issue that presents as a business problem. And until I figure out that emotional issue, you know, typically when we're talking about business or money, some kind of anxiety, self-sabotage, insecurity coming up in some way that you don't really see and everybody else sees, although they wouldn't be able to put their finger on it, but they do kind of see what's going on. So then that's why you go to therapy and you realize how these issues going on are the result of some unmanaged emotional issue that you have. You know, same thing with dating. Whether you're a man or woman, you're out dating and the same problem comes up over time. You're attracted to the same kind of woman who isn't healthy for you or the same kind of man who isn't healthy for you. And so you read a bunch of books on dating and maybe how to screen women. And so you're really really analyzed on, on women and what are red flags. And that might help, right? And that may help and you don't need therapy, but Sometimes that doesn't help. Sometimes that tends to make the problem worse. So what's the issue then? Well, it's probably, you know, some self-sabotage, some insecurity thing, you know, typically when we're talking about dating, some kind of attachment you have to your parents that is often unconscious that is coming up in the dating field. So you have to look, right? So that's the point of therapy is there's these issues going on in your life and you need to get really clear and really honest um, about uh, about your own issues to see how they manifest. And this is why I, you know, when I do talk about race and or, or whatever on the show, it's really to denigrate the APA and how they've really latched on to the critical race theory, multiculturalism, you know, whatever fourth wave of feminism is going on. 
Uh, not that I have any issue with feminism uh, necessarily, but how it's practiced now, it's an extension of Marxism. It's a way to iterate Marxism. And the, the reason why I think this is a, a great hill to die on because, be, because it's anti-therapy. Because you go to therapy now, and I think I said last week or the week before, I mean, and any therapist younger than 40 is going to be fully indoctrinated in these ideas that are ultimately influenced by Marxism. And you go to therapy, and the point isn't to realize how you're the problem in your life, how you're responsible for the issues going on. The point is to look at how society is responsible. And part of the therapy, very explicit part of the therapy, is we need to overturn society. We need to uh, deconstruct whiteness or patriarchy, overturn those things, and then, and then you wouldn't have problems in your relationship with your husband or wife or whatever happens to be. That is anti-therapy. That is exactly what therapy isn't. Now you can say, you, you know, you can have some coaching practice and say that. That I'm going to show you how you know all the problems in your life really come down to patriarchy or whiteness. You can do that, but that's not therapy. That is exactly what therapy is, and I think it's anti-therapy. And so, one iteration of this happening, one iteration of this anti-therapy is racial ethnic grievance. We got to be clear because I'm not denying that the Irish have been persecuted by the English. They've been at war for a long time. There's atrocities on both sides. And now I'm not saying if you're Irish and you're happy that the queen died, I'm not saying that the persecution by the English or persecution that your ethnic tribe has received from the English is all a figment of your imagination. I'm not saying that. That stuff is real. It definitely happens. It definitely affects your life. But what I am saying is, is you are going to be impervious to therapy. You will inevitably be impervious to therapy to the extent to which you are happy or relieved that the queen died. Same thing, I think, what Freud was going through. So if Freud did in fact say this, he said it at a time when there was a great rise of anti-Semitism, of course, in the West, in Europe, that he, you know, he, he uh, died in England because he fled the anti-Semitism. And I think what Freud said this, or why he was tuned into, I would have to assume, why he was tuned into how in, the Irish are impervious to psychoanalysis. So let's, let's just make up a story in our mind that Freud probably didn't have a lot of interaction with Irish people until he moved to England. Then maybe he went to England and had some interaction with Irish people. And then he realized, oh, you guys aren't going to change because you're holding on to this racial grievance. And I think part of that, the reason why he said that, it must have been a projection of what Jews are going through at the time. Uh, it wasn't the first time, of course, right? This rise of anti-Semitism, this anti-Jewish sentiment that uh, would make Jews more impervious to therapy, more impervious to psychoanalysis. And again... I know I need to say this because these are sensitive issues. I'm not saying that there's no such thing as people not liking Jews because they're Jews. Of course. So I'm not saying like the anti-Semitism 
uh, or I'm not denying the Holocaust, like the, all those things are real. But at the same time, you need to realize how you can latch onto those things. If you are part of the Irish tribe or the Jewish tribe, how you can latch onto those things. And by you latching onto those things psycho uh, psychologically leads to your stagnation, your inability to grow. You know, uh, th this is true. I, I, this is true in my life. So how do you grow? I mean, how do you really grow? I've seen this in my life. I've seen this in lives of clients and other people I've talked with. When you grow, let's say. Let, okay, so let's say you go through one of uh, my adult stages of development, the first one, separation from the parents. It is vital to get to the point where you realize, you know, we all have those excuses like, oh, this would be going, that this one issue in my life would be going better, but because of my mom's anxiety, because my dad was a jerk and emotionally tuned out, it's gonna be more difficult for me to have a relationship that I want, right? I'm just gonna be emotionally tuned out or because my parents got divorced, I'm gonna be more, that's why I got divorced, right? That it, It's just, and I'm telling you, if you really wanna grow and you really wanna separate from your parents, you need to get to the place where you just realize that, oh my God, it's not my parents. It's not because my mom has anxiety, though that may be true that my mom has anxiety. It's not because my dad's emotionally tuned out, though that may be true that your dad's emotionally tuned out and that did indeed affect you. And it may be true that your parents got divorced. Obviously you're not making that up, that's obvious. Um, but when we hold on to these things, even 1%, even a fraction of a fraction of 1%, you got it. It's it's going to hinder your growth. You got to get to a place where you realize, oh my God, it's not my mom's anxiety. It's how I manage my mom having anxiety. It's not my dad being tuned out or his alcoholism. It's how I have related with that. It is my relationship with that. And you need to get to a point where you're not even holding on to a fraction of placing the responsibility or even a fraction of the excuse. And I can imagine, I can imagine that if there, if your uh, ethnic tribe has gone through any sort of conflict and have been persecuted by somebody, you know, whether you're Irish or Jew or you know any other ethnic tribe out there that has, um, you know, received persecution, that's something else that you can hold on to. And now we live in a society, culturally, it's very popular to blame things, to, to look at who you are only in relation to your ethnic tribe, and people will let you get away with it. And that's, and that's exactly the problem. That is going to make it that much more difficult for you to change. That is going to make it that much more likely for you to be impervious to therapy. Look, this isn't just about Irish or Jews. I mean, you know, I'm Armenian, at least part Armenian. And I see this with Armenian people, you know, I, I mean, I got to tell you, like, I, like I'll, I'll make fun of Armenian people and stuff. And, and um, some of the, uh, no, definitely some of the most hate filled messages I receive, whether it's DMs or on Twitter or through email are from Armenian people saying, hey, if you're Armenian, how could you talk about Armenians this way? Because I, I noticed like this grievance from um, the Armenian genocide. 
and people still hold on to that, of course. <laughs> My joke about it, it's, it's not really a genocide. It's just a war that we lost, and we lost so badly that now it's somehow less shameful to call it a genocide. I mean, that's a funny joke, and I think I've received just a lot of hate. Not a lot, but you know, a lot for me, considering how popular, really how unpopular I am. But, and, and I see, like, there's just this resentment, and the more you have this racial, ethnic resentment, and I'm not saying... Obviously that the Armenian Genocide didn't happen. I mean, it was kind of a war that we lost so badly. We just, it's somehow less shameful to call it. I think that's why that joke's so funny, because it's kind of true. Um, we're holding on to that. You hold on to that, and the more you hold on to that, the less likely you're going to get to this place of just total loneliness and isolation and realizing, oh my God, that's not real. That's something that I look at. That's something I latch onto because if I latch onto that thing, whether it's a Jewish persecution, Irish persecution by the English, uh, Armenian persecution by the Turks, if I latch onto that thing, then I don't have to look at my own issue. I really don't have to look at my own insecurity and really get, get really clear and painfully honest about my own emotional issues. I don't have to do it. And you can go find people in your ethnic tribe and they will validate you. They will think you're a good person when you don't do that. And anybody who doesn't do that or anybody who does it, or anybody who goes, no, it's not about the ethnic thing, although that may be a factual truth, you can hold on to that and they will ridicule you. They will, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, the most, uh, the most vitriol, the most violence from one ethnic group is always from the same ethnic group. I mean, it's pretty much all, all the time, but you latch on to, oh, the English do this, oh, the gents do this to us, or oh, the Turks did this to us. Because now you don't have to look at your own issue. Right? And I think that's really what, what Freud meant if he did, in fact, say the Irish are impervious to, uh, to therapy or to psychoanalysis. I think he was talking about something that the Irish definitely go through, and I think he was talking about something that he was going through. He was talking about something that Jewish people were definitely going through um, at the time. Now, obviously, I'm not saying victimhood doesn't exist, but if you can't call the police, <laughs> if you can't, you know, ring up the police and call them and be like, "Hey, this one guy did this one thing to me," and they don't go, "Oh, thanks for calling. Yeah, what? We're gonna file a report." If you can't do that, it's not victimhood. It's your anxiety. It's your unmanaged anxiety that presents as this thing called victimhood that you can get, again, socially, culturally validated for, especially now, uh, perpetuated by the APA, which is why I want nothing to do with them whatsoever. But yeah, look, if somebody robs you, if somebody breaks into your car, be like, hey, I want to file a police report. And police go, okay, yeah, great, thanks. <laughs> but if you can't do that, <laughs> you you can't call can't call the police and be like yeah the English uh, they, they they did this raid on, on my village that I was from in Ireland uh, 165 years ago can you can you go do the police and be like what are you talking about right it's silly I know that sounds silly but that's as silly as it is for you to hold on to any kind of this like ethnic tribal resentment and so when the queen dies you do your <laughs> stupid <laughs> I mean it's stupid it's it's a uh, folk Irish uh, river dancing. I mean, you look, you look, I know you think it looks cool, but everybody else thinks it looks lame. 
not just with any not, not Irish dance or anything, but but any kind of ethnic <laughs> dance or ethnic. It looks lame to everybody else. That's okay. Um, you know, so I guess what we're talking about is persecution. And and I said something on the Brazen Heads last week, the the podcast I do with my buddy Derek, where when you feel persecuted. I mean, it sounds kind of cheesy to say, but when you feel persecuted, it's really important to realize what an honor that is. What an honor it is to be persecuted because that persecution is information. You know, whether it's right, whether it's justified, obviously it's not that, of course, but that persecution that you receive from in your own life, from what you perceive to be other ethnic tribal groups, that is an honor because it is information for you. It is information for what people are. It is information for how people perceive you. And it allows you to grow and to change. I mean, that, that's our, you know, our foundational myth. That's one of our foundational Western myths is the, is the story of Jesus. And that's exactly what happened. I know I'm going to sound like Jordan Peterson now, but but I, I think Jordan Peterson, as much as I criticize him, he's at its be- he's at his best when he's doing some kind of biblical interpretation. I mean, I think some of his ideas are kind of crazy and, and disconnected, and it's based on his rationalism, his idealism, uh, metaphysics. But I think that's when he's at his best, and he's looking at let's look at the story of Jesus and what it really is. It's this guy being persecuted for the best part of him. Because he said, from my interpretation, that not only am I a God, but you are a God. We are all gods. We are all capable of arising to this state of, of psychological wholeness, of individuation, ultimately. I mean, he didn't use that terminology, of course. To arising in the state of individuation from which we can create our own lives, how we want. And that's why he was persecuted. And... The point is, oh, isn't this terrible that I'm being persecuted? No. What a blessing. How great it is. Because this just serves, honestly, this just serves as a connection to you and people. In this case, if we're going to apply it to what I'm talking about here, to people who you perceive to be different ethnically, racially, uh, whatever it happens to be. So how do you get to that place? How do you get to that place where you're more likely to see your persecution as a blessing? Well, I think it involves looking at your emotions. Looking at your emotions, how your emotions are a reflection of values that you have, maybe unconscious values that you're acting out that you may not know. You know, like going back to the guy who's reading a bunch of books on business and really not getting anywhere or maybe getting even worse. You got to look at your emotions and how they're uh, uh, presented in your life and get really clear about what, what goes on. Really clear about that process. You know, it's, it's easy to talk a big game about responsibility, but until you really understand how emotions work, I would argue, and, and see how, oh, here's how my emotional, especially my unconscious emotional issues, here's how they reflect in my life. Until you get like just painfully clear about that, and you don't just say it because you know it's the right thing to say, because because Jacko Willink tells you to take responsibility, and you know that's like more masculine, and you want to be more masculine, so that's why you're saying it. But really, you just want to be more masculine to 
you know, because you have this uh, insecurity, perceived insecurity that, that maybe your dad didn't think you're very masculine and that's why you're doing it. That's not responsibility. That is acting out unconscious emotional patterns. So you got to get clear. And we can help you get clear here. That's what, in part, what we do in therapy is get clear about emotional issues. Look at emotional issues you have and learn to talk through them in a very specific way. And gradually you become, you, you, you come to this realization of when you are persecuted. And believe me, if you're trying to do anything in your life, you will feel persecuted. Uh, I think you're going to look at it in, in a little bit different way. It's going to be a little bit more helpful than doing some dance when the queen dies. All right, guys. So that's what we can help you with here. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. Like and subscribe. And I wish you all the joy and all the pain that comes from you realizing how you're impervious to therapy.